where I am if you really are the kind of people I think you are. I don't know exactly how to start to sound this whole thing up. Uh, you see, they do this to non-alcoholics all the time. <laughs> Besides that, I'm really not that nervous to talk to Alan on AA, and then you throw in some normal people. And, and, uh, I'm not a bit afraid to talk in front of people who by their own admission are insane. <laughs> but then you throw these so-called normal folks in. But um, just bear with us, and if you get through listening before I get through talking, I'll understand if you get up and leave. <laughs> I came to this program. I'll tell you a little bit about what I was like and what happened, and I hope to tell you quite a bit about what it's like now. I really don't like... I really don't like this disease. I'll be right honest with you. I think it's the ugliest disease in the world, but I adore the recovery. And if the only way that you can get here is because of this disease, then I'm 100% for the disease. Uh, I came to this program not because I asked for any help. I've read an article, not an article, I've read a little ad in our paper, and it said, so you love an alcoholic, there's help for you, call this number. Well, I didn't know I was married to an alcoholic, and what I was married to, I didn't love, so it didn't pertain to me. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, there was a gal who spotted in me what had happened to her, and she kept trying to call me to talk to me about something, and I didn't know her all that well. And you know, they say that alcoholics are super sensitive. Don't kid yourself, we're super sensitive too. And whenever anybody that I didn't know very well kept calling and wanting to know if she'd come talk to me, I didn't want to talk to her. Because I had this kind of funny thinking, I wasn't going to like what she said. So every time she called, I was busy, and I was always on my way somewhere. And uh, that's true. I flew around a lot. Speaking of flying around, i got to tell you one thing I think is great. There's an alcoholic that used to introduce his wife as this is the angel that stood by me, you know. And I just love this because I think we do qualify there. Because you know what an angel is? It's somebody who's holding up in the air and hopping. <laughs> Anyhow, this gal kept calling me and she wanted to talk to me and she didn't tell me why, so I kept putting her off, but it bothered me. And so finally one time she called and she never did tell me why, so I said, well, I'm on my way somewhere. I'll stop by your house because I thought, well, then I'm not really on my way somewhere and I can get up and leave. So I went in and she was married to a rancher who drank. I was married to a rancher who drank. They drank together quite a bit. As a matter of fact, they were cousins. And, uh, she began to tell me the dumbest thing I believe I've ever heard. She told me that she used to worry so about his drinking and she used to sit up nights and she used to look out the windows, you know, and of course I'm kind of going like this, you know, and then she'd say this ignorant thing. She'd say, of course, I realize now I've been saying, here's old Jenny going. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she kept talking about the dumb things like that. And she kept saying, I don't have to do that anymore. And I thought, well, I never did have to do this, you see, and I guess I didn't have to do it, but I did it. <laughs> but anyway, pickups kept going up and down all this time, and I'm in her house, and she's sitting there calming and smiling and telling me about this beautiful program. I don't know what she's talking about, but... And I'm jumping up and looking out her window to check all these pickups going up down the street, and she's just sitting there like a dummy. 
And I, I couldn't understand her. I was so nervous and she was so calm and I just wanted out. I really did. And then she said, I wanted to deny everything to her, but she never said I did anything. She just said she did these things. And I wanted to say I never did and she never said I did. And that's just terrible. <laughs> and I just wanted out. And she said, I'd be happy to take you to a meeting. And I said, oh, I'm just so busy. And God knows I was busy. And my nights were real busy. <laughs> and so she loaned me a book. And I said I'd read it. And she said, because you see, I don't know. Uh, my husband may die drinking. I don't know. But I can live happily either way. And then I said a wonderful thing. It had so much wisdom in it. I felt so smug as I lived. I said, that may be fine for you, but I have no intention of living happily, and I didn't. <laughs> and I went home, and I lived miserably. <laughs> and I hated her, and I didn't know why, because I really wasn't sure what she said. But I didn't like it, and I didn't like the way she sat still. <laughs> and you're, if you're married to a drunk rancher, you ought to be checking pickups. <laughs> and she wasn't. And so, now I've got this double problem. My husband didn't happen to be a bar drinker. So I took great pride. In fact, I didn't call bar, but I was crazy, but I wasn't stupid. And when he had to call the bar, he didn't drink there. But I, God, I went on a lot of back roads, and I checked a lot of barns and a lot of crowds. And sheep wagons and all that kind of stuff. So now I've got this real bad problem. i I got to make this run over it. Our ranches are 75 miles apart, and i got to make this run periodically. I've got two darling children that require feeding periodically. <laughs> and i got to watch out for this woman. Because I'm not going to shop where she is, and I'm not going to be where she is. And, and so I'm having some kind of... Well, by this time, I was already having some imaginary conversations with my husband, you know, this kind. When he comes home, I'm going to say, and when he says, then I'm going to, you know. <laughs> well, now I've got a lot of conversations going because I thought if she ever approaches me again, I'm going to tell her this and this, and when she says that, you know. So it's just getting really bad. <laughs> and I've gone, we're going to have two markets and pray, and I pull into the parking lot, and we'd be out of bread and eggs and milk and the whole thing, you know, and her car'd be there, and I'd be, damn, I'll make a biscuit, and the kids don't need milk. <laughs> I really don't want to talk to her. And so for 16 months, I'm not proud of the fact that I was offered this program and could have taken it, but that's what happened. But I'm no longer worried about it anymore. I think whatever it takes, it takes. And I've always said I could have battled the, the drunken and the booze maybe physically for a long time, but then I also got to battle the truth, and that was the end. So for 16 months, I ran from her, and we didn't eat as well as we should have because she shopped a lot. And... <laughs> But somehow we survived, and God really takes care of drunks and children, and I was the one that was just absolutely frantic. You see, I hadn't started out ugly about this, because I knew my husband drank, my family drank socially. In fact, I connected it with getting out the nicest classes, and people wore lovely dresses, and the food was extra special. And I thought it was okay. It was an occasion when you had something to drink. And so I thought it was all right, and I knew my husband drank. And I really didn't realize he drank too much, and he looked so lost and lonely sometimes, you know, and I just thought he really did need me. And uh, right now I think I'm about the darndest thing that ever happened to him other than alcoholism. <laughs> anyway, 
I've been in Jack who's drinking, and I don't know when exactly. We used alcohol in our home, and whenever we had anything social, he prepared the drinks or planned the drinks, and I prepared the food, and it was great. And I, but I kind of vaguely, like there, remember that I began to talk to him about our friends that I thought were drinking a little bit too much, and he thought they were too, and I thought they. He heard that, and um, so we had reasonable times like this, you know. And I can remember how it got worse and worse because. We planned nice dinner parties, and I worked all day, and, and had the children arranged for, and the house looked great, and everything was going to get done on time, and the whole bit was just, and you know. But by this time, you'd go in, and four of the guests had left, two of them furious, one of them was crying, you know. And I, well, everything was just going apart, you know. And I couldn't figure out this wasn't getting social anymore, and people would sit in the potato salad and stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was just, it was really bothering me a lot. <laughs> so I began to have this thing, and I thought, well, I don't mind if he drinks a little bit, but I think these friends are drinking too much, and obviously he's drinking too much with him. Of course, they good to me. He was drinking in the pickup and in the garage and in the bathroom and everything, and they weren't there. But <laughs> anyhow, I began to do the same things. We began. I began to not want to have anything social, and I didn't want to go to anything social because I thought that would keep him from drinking so much. Now, I have to be honest with you, I didn't know about alcoholism, and I didn't know that he couldn't drink at all successfully. So I kept wanting to cut down. Because I didn't have any objection to drinking, it was drunkenness I didn't like, you see. So if he just wouldn't drink so much, it'd be all right. And I drank with him. And I, I used to say, why don't you drink like me? I don't, I'm sure he probably thought he was. You know, I, I was there a lot, so he probably assumed. But anyway, I began to get really obsessed about this thing, and I talked to him, and I played with him, and I used all the things I really didn't talk that much about the drinking. I talked about his health and what, and my health, and the children's health, and his business, and the money he was spending, and the, you know. And I sometimes, well, I was sitting up anyway waiting, so I did a lot of things that were very important. Like I'd go through the checkbook and I'd lock down everything that was to liquor stores, because as I say, he bought his own, and he preferred his own company, really. And and I marked down all these things, you see. And then when he'd come home, I'd, I'd say to him kindly, look at the money that you spent last month at the liquor store. And he would say, well, you see, the truth of it is, though, he said, some of the men owed money in there. So sure, I did pick up a couple of fifths, but he said, you see, I paid off the men, and I think, oh. And he'd say, but anyway, he said, you know, I'll tell you, if you're really worried about the money, because you had it on the money. He said, if you're worried about the money, he said, I'm going to tell you what's the matter around here. He said, you know, every time I come home, you got every damn light in this house on. The kids never turn the faucet light off. And you know, somehow it got all turned around and talked for two months after that. I'm running around. We're in the dark most of the time. <laughs> and that's how it goes. You've got to talk with an That's the way it goes. It got all turned around until somehow I'm wasting a lot of money and there's stuff going out to those hundred watt bulbs you wouldn't believe. <laughs> If you people don't believe that 100 watt bulbs cost you money, I'm going to tell you something. I've got canceled checks to prove just how expensive this is. But anyway, that's kind of the way it went. I tried so many things. I just couldn't understand. Uh, I finally got over this week reasonableness, got over the little graphs I was preparing to show how bad it was, and I got mighty ugly about it. I really got me. Because I had about enough of this, and I... A lot of people talk to people about the abuse and all this. I didn't. Because, you see, I wanted this man really badly. He was a rancher. I was from a ranching family. He was just really not 
and I wanted him, and I got him. And I didn't want anybody to think I'd made a mistake. <laughs> I didn't, and I didn't want my folks to know. I sure did not. My father died in the meantime, and my mother, one time only, said, you know, honey, I think Homer's drinking a little too much. And I knew he was drinking too much. I just thought he'd been lecturing until four in the morning about this very subject, and you know, I turned on her and I said, how dare you say such a thing about him? And she never mentioned it again. Of course, I proceeded, I continued to lecture. Probably the poor dear the next night, I probably said, even my mother thinks you're drinking Because <laughs> I was a big one for that, and I was always saying, the neighbors think you drink too much. Everybody thought he drank too much. I told him. So I told him. <laughs> but I was absolutely obsessed with this. I really was. He finally got sicker and sicker. Still didn't know it was a disease. He got sicker and sicker. He went, he sat up from doctors. I was humiliated because it was a local doctor. <laughs> then I got really angry because one time I didn't know he'd been to the doctor and he came home and he said, the doctor would like to talk to you. And I said, how dare you involve me in this thing? <laughs> of course, I'm already right up to here. <laughs> but finally he began to make the sanitariums and I'm all for that. I think you have to do what you have to do. I don't have to believe in sanitariums and it, by the way, if I offended anybody here tonight, it's my opinion. And if I really break you, take it to your higher power. I ain't responsible for that. Because <laughs> I got a right to tell it how it is. I, uh, I like what old Joe says, the alcoholics of his acquaintance, that about alcoholism beating out through their kneecaps with rubber mallets are damn few. But <laughs> well, I agree with that. I used to say what I thought psychiatry and, and psychology and all this did. Uh, in the home group, I didn't think it worked. And one little timid lady came up one time who had her husband safely tucked away in the funny box. And she was enjoying it. And I know about that. I enjoyed those trips of his, too. <laughs> but she said, I really don't think you should say that because you're not a doctor and I don't know that you have a right to say it. And I said, have you by any chance gone this route? And she said, no, I haven't. And I said, well, I have. And I have several canceled checks to prove I have a right to my opinion and I don't think it works. <laughs> and I don't. I'm a firm believer. I loved last night when all you alcoholics were talking about pain. I'm a big believer in pain. I heard plenty before I got here. And that's okay, because I would have never, I would have never, ever asked for help without that pain. Not ever. Because, you see, I was bright. I was from a nice family. I didn't need you scuzzy folks. I really didn't. What in the world could you possibly tell me? But, you see, I hurt so bad, and I remembered finally what this woman said to me. And 16 months later, after I'd been avoiding her all over town, I called her up and I said, you know, I don't know what's wrong, but I can't go on. And she said, I'll be right there. And she was. And thank God for people who come to you and, and allow you to hate them for as long as it takes, but then come back when you need them. Because I'll always be grateful to her, because you see, I might never have found this thing if she hadn't pointed her finger right at me by telling about herself. I might never have found you people. But anyway, she came and, you know, she told me the same thing and it made total sense to me. That time it made total sense to me. She invited me to a meeting. I was excited to go because I just loved her that day. And she sounded like me and I really wanted out. And I've been thinking about murder and that sort of stuff. And, and I really had seriously, because of the snoring, i got to tell you this, fellas. You, you alcoholics don't know, but I'm going to tell you something. You snore something terrible when you're drunk. It just sounds like you're eating a tree. <laughs> you know, I know that's no big deal. 
deal. But it's a big deal when you're nuts and I'm nervous. I used to pray out the big prayers, but God wasn't anything I wasn't familiar with. I prayed long, anguish prayers. I wish you could have heard them because they were wonderful prayers. They were emotional. They were explicit. I had it all laid out. And, and I knew he couldn't help but be moved. I just knew he couldn't. And one of the prayers was, God, if you'll just keep him from snoring, I will never ask another thing of you. And I thought God wouldn't listen. I really did. I thought he was watching the sparrows again, and I'm sleeping with his you know? So there were so many things I used to pray. I never... When, when I went to this program the first time, they told me about prayer. I said, oh, I prayed. Oh, God, didn't I? <laughs> I did pray. I prayed he would die, and I prayed he wasn't hurt. And then I prayed that I would kill him, but that I wouldn't get caught. <laughs> And I prayed that he would be sober by Thursday because the bridge club was Thursday. You know, I mean, they were important prayers. They were serious. And God didn't answer them, and I told them that when I came. God doesn't answer me. And they said, God always answers prayers, sweetie. The answer was no. And I thought, is that right? But that's okay. I came and I loved you people right from the beginning. Oh, I just loved you. I felt so warm and welcome, and I couldn't believe that they'd been right there in my town all through this horrible anguish I'd been going through, and they'd been there laughing and happy. I just loved you. And I walked out the door, and I got in that car, and I thought, aren't they great? And if somebody said what they say, I didn't know what you said. So I had to keep coming back. I couldn't remember what you said until I got to the corner. I loved it. So, of course, I couldn't do it because I didn't know what you said. I wasn't thinking real good, and besides that, I wasn't used to being sidetracked from my main purpose in life. <laughs> but I began to go to three meetings a week, and thank God for alcoholic groups who welcome non-alcoholics. I mean that, thank God. Don't turn Al-Anon away from you. I know it's a big thing now, you know, where they say, well, we just can't have all these weird straight people. Third place, we're weird, but we ain't straight. <laughs> so let us in. Just let us in sometimes, because you see, I got so much from the alcoholics, and you know why? I was listening for him. I had to find out what to tell him. And they told me to let go. Don't try to handle his life anymore, and I thought that's great. So I didn't try to handle it in the old age, but I rushed right home, and I carried this message to him, and he blew right straight sky. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I, I don't understand. But I thought, well, maybe, maybe if I keep going back, he'll tell me how to do this properly. So I did. I kept going back. I think most non-alcoholics, loving alcoholics, come to the program first for their alcoholics so they can help their alcoholics. That's how I came. But thank God, my alcoholic continued to drink. And I say that sincerely. God really knows what he's doing in this program. There's nothing happens by accident, you know. Not anything. I like what is it that one fellow says, you know, that there aren't any... Uh, coincidences, those are just minor miracles for which God wishes to remain anonymous. And I believe this is true because it happened just the way it had to happen in our home. In the first place, my husband was a little suicidal, and had he sobered up when I was so sick, he would have gotten it done because he could have finally then figured out when to load the gun. <laughs> so you see, as he got good, he got me some better before my husband found his program. And, and I think that's great, but what's better about it is that I began to have to work this program for myself. And they said neat things to me, warm, wonderful things, like they said, you owe yourself a break, and I thought, you damn right I do. <laughs> Just what I owe myself. 
I just loved it. And then I'd ask them, well, they, you know, for a long time, I'd come in and say, hi. And, and they'd say, how are you? And I'd say, he's drunk. And they said, we didn't ask yet. You know, it, it finally began to get true to me that I was there for myself. And it took a long time. And I loved your honesty. Oh, how I loved it. But, you know, I tried to tell a couple of things once, and they were supposed to come out funny because you all laughed, and mine came out bitter. They didn't come out funny. And I wanted to be like you people, but I didn't know how. And finally, and I, I know, I know what you read every meeting. I know you discuss the steps. I know you read this chapter. I know all that now. But you know I didn't say that? And finally they said, why don't you start on the steps? And I said, what steps? You know, they go on three nights a week, and I don't know what you're talking about. I really don't, but I felt safe and warm there. And I felt welcome, and I felt at home. And I began to work on these steps. We didn't have a lot of Al-Anon literature when I came. So some of you, you know, they, you know, I'm glad I didn't have to wait that long before I came. I wasn't born with gray hair, you know. And I didn't come to this program this old either, I might add. But I am getting younger every day, and that's really nice. I'll never be as old as I was when I came to this program. Thank God for that. I'll never be that old. Not ever. I couldn't live that long. There ain't no way. The body wouldn't take it in the first place. But the thing that is great is we didn't have a lot of down on literature, and A's were rough on us. You better believe it. They didn't say, when we'd say how miserable we'd had it, they'd say, you must like it. And I'd say, well, I don't understand. They'd say, well, we don't understand. Isn't this the bird you're going home and crawl bed with? Well, then shut up about it. You know. But it was okay. And, I, and I'm grateful for AA like that, because that's the way it was when I came. And I'm grateful for Al-Anon that told me the truth. You see, we really don't have anything to tell each other except the truth. You know, we've got to tell each other the truth. If somebody says, what do you think I ought to do? And you say, why don't you take, start working on your first step, second step, third step, wherever it is they are. Don't say, well, I don't know, and start figuring out things for them to do. Tell them to do what it says in the program. So I began to study the big book. Well, I thought of it anyway because I laid it around various places in the house. But I read it. But I read it, and I love it. I still love that big AA book. Probably because it helped me to get well. It helped me to get well. Because like I say, we didn't have a lot of outline literature like we have now 19 years ago. So I began to use those cross-tips. And the only thing I ever changed was I put me in every place. And I put insanity in for alcoholism or alcoholic. And it worked. And it does work. And that's the thing I love about this program. It works. I can recommend this to anybody now. Because I'm going to tell you, when you're as sick as I was, don't fiddle around telling people, why don't you try that? It may work. Oh, shoot. It may not. They may die before they find something. And I know you alcoholics have a fatal illness. And I'll tell you, some of you don't know how close to fatal it was. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure you think if you had drunk any longer, the booze would have killed you. Not necessarily. <laughs> not necessarily. I don't question you while you're way up. <laughs> but you see, I finally, through working these steps, they kept saying, let go of your husband. What? You can't do that. There isn't any way you can do that. But you can by doing the things in this and forgetting your husband for a moment. Because, you know, there are some things in your big book that I don't know if you even know they're in there. And if you don't, you find them out. And if you all not don't believe me, you go and read it because they're in there. You know, it talks about somewhere around the ninth step in your program. 
It says, and somewhere along the way, and I'm quoting this badly, and I'm sorry for this, I should have looked it up, but it doesn't matter. It's something that meant something to me. Somewhere along the way, we found that God had removed our compulsion for alcohol. It doesn't say that suddenly I didn't need to drink anymore. It says somewhere in there he had. Well, you know, somewhere in the long about there, God removed my compulsion to try to manage another human being. I learned through these 12 steps. I know what it means that hell, the road to hell is paved with good intention. Boy, do I know what that means. Because I really wanted to be a good wife, and I wanted to be a good mother, even before the program, but especially after it. A lot of it was for you people because I loved you and I would love to have been what you would like me to be. And so I went home and I was going to be those things and I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I couldn't be those things. And you know, where you find all the, all the things in, in you that ought to be changed, you know, when you're taking these steps, oh, I find these ugly things and I think I'm going to change them. And I can't. I can't. You see, I thank God for all you people because you told me how to work this, but you know, don't ever kid yourself. You didn't get each other sober. God did it. You, Alamon, I love you dearly, and I love you, A.A., but you didn't get me saying God did. You only showed me what to do so that he would perform what he promised he would perform. Because I tried to change myself, and I couldn't. And I anguished over it, and I tried hard, and I worked hard, and I couldn't do it. And finally, I had to do just what it says, give it up. And I had to say, God, I, I can't. I'm a mess. Can you do anything about it? And it wasn't instantaneous, but the relief was instantaneous, and he did begin to do things. You know, he ain't through with me yet. I understand that. But I'm so much better than I used to be. And the thing about it is, even when I'm terrible now, I know that God hasn't finished with me yet, yet, but I know that he loves me. And I found out who I was down here. You see, for a while, I was mother and daddy's little girl. And then, for a long time, God, it seemed like an eternity, I was Homer's wife. <laughs> and that seemed like a long, long time. But you see, who I really am is a child of God. And he does love me. And he does care for me. And he will do the things he promised if I am willing to do the things that you beautiful people have taught me work. You will do these things. And it's a promise. You know the promises in the big A book? I just love it when the A's read that. Because I don't sit there anymore and say, isn't that nice for them? You know, I don't really care that much about you anymore. <laughs> you know, you don't get this program again. It's nothing to do with me anyway. But you see, do take care of this program. Because I need it. That's why I want you to take care of it. I want you to be the kind of AA and Al and that were here when I came. And I can't do anything about you, but I can try to be the kind that was there when I came. And now when we have new people, and they ask me these dumb things, like, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to go look for him or not. I say, why don't you come see me and we'll talk it over. And you know, it's the same thing we get talked over. We get all that more money. And that's okay. But that's what people did to me. They took me in a lot of times. And they said a really neat thing, which they don't do so much in our group anymore, and I think I know why they don't. They said, even in our mind, you know, if you get nervous even at night, call somebody, and here are some numbers, and I got some nervous at night, and I call folks every night, two or three and four in the morning, and so we don't do that much anymore. But I still think it's a good idea, because I used to get scared, and I just said it was dark. 
just because it was dark and I was used to being scared at night. And I didn't know what was the matter. And a lot of times they'd say, well, what seems to be the problem? And I'd say, I don't know. And they'd say, he's home. And I'd say, yeah. And they'd say, is he sleeping? And I'd say, yeah. And they'd say, well, what's the problem? And I said, I don't know. But it's time to be afraid. <laughs> and that's the truth. That's how sick we get. So don't turn us off. But I wouldn't say something down now. For God's sake, don't write this program on the AA coattail. You can if you want to. You can survive. But you know this program isn't for surviving. I found that out. And you can settle for less. But you know God won't. If you're letting, I want every single thing this program offers. And there's no reason in the world I can't have it. And do you know why? It's because of you people. Because first of all, God gave this program to AA. And then, thank God, he laid it on your hearts to share it with us. So you see, this whole thing, I believe, is a God-given program. And I love each and every one of you. I'd do anything in the world that you ask me to do, but let's don't ever forget that it ain't tranquilizers, and it ain't detoxification centers, and it ain't sanitary. Do you know who in the world that you ask me to do, but let's don't ever forget that it ain't tranquilizers, and it ain't detoxification centers, and it ain't sanitary. Do you know who has, has rescued us from our insanity? Both kinds. Because you know insanity is insanity. I don't care what your obsession was. I know what mine was, and an obsession is an obsession. God did that. So keep it safe, because there are an awful lot of sick people out there, as sick as I was. And before I forget, thank you so much for the flowers, and thank you for the locket, and the dinner, and you've done so many nice things for me, and this just seems unreal to me. Because, you see, you've already done the most important thing you could have done for me, and that saved my life. One other thing I'd like to remember, because I got a couple of AAs in Denver, that I just drive them nuts because I forget to tell in my story. You should believe this, because when I came here, the biggest thing in my life was this drunk. But do you know something? I forget to tell. My husband is sober. He had 17 years to value in this program, thank God. <laughs> but you see, that's, I do forget it. I truly do, because it's not part of my story. That's part of his. And I'm grateful that he has the body because he's well and he's happy and our marriage is going because of it. But you see, I wouldn't care about a marriage if it weren't for Alma. I wouldn't care about anything if it weren't for Alma. I just love you all. Keep it safe. Keep being grateful. Put the gratitude where it rightfully belongs. And thank you so much for having me. God bless you all.